And we are the Extra Sisters, so sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode 137, but before we get started on reviewing this movie, we would just like to say a really quick happy birthday to one of our patrons. So, happy birthday week, Ryan. Happy birthday, Ryan. We hope you have an awesome birthday, and you get to share a birthday week episode with this movie that I watched. Well, we both watched, but the whole time I was just like, yeah, 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 Del Toro movie we love, (laughs) but I just was staring at Tom Hiddleston the whole time. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so distracting. This movie is 2015's Crimson Peak, and it is a Del Toro film, so obviously... We're all in here. I don't have. I don't know what Kristen's opinion is of the actual film yet because when we were texting about this, I was like, "Um, so Tom Hiddleston, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, whatever." There's a movie in the background. That's yeah, fine. Baby. That's fine. But uh, do you see him? Do you see? And honestly, Jessica Chastain as his sister was hot as shit too. Like, oh, oh yeah. my god, These... everybody in this film was beautiful. Oh yeah. my god. Can we just get like a yeah an ugly yeah I don't I guess they had a butler that was old but like <laughs> I don't know Ugh, even God. Herschel from Walking Dead was in this and he looked nice oh he was God. all trim and not on a farm with zombies and dying till his face got smashed in and concaved into a sink right you know we either get to see him beheaded or smashed in on a sink I guess that's how he dies in films mm-hmm. nope. <laughs> So this movie is about, it is a gothic, like, it's, it's like a gothic horror romance story, but the romance is a whack love triangle, let me tell you. Uh, yes. Let me tell you what. <laughs> and there is, it was funny because it said Jessica Chastain, and I didn't realize that she was Tom Hiddleston's sister. We'll get to the reason I say sister later (laughs) (laughs) because I kept looking at Tom Hiddleston's wife in this like that's not Jessica Chastain but no it's not it that I was like no fucking way like it no what's interesting is she was actually supposed to play Edith so she was supposed to play Tom Hiddleston's wife and then she thought that the sister role was way more interesting so she went for that one instead. Well, I also think that that role's way more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They both get to kiss Tom Hiddleston, so. That's true. That is very true. Yeah. I had actually never heard of this film for, I don't know why. I mean, 2015. I mean, I I was seeing movies. I don't know why this one flew under the radar. I, it was honestly kind of the same for me. I remembered hearing about it, but it was like a blip. Like it was in and out. I felt like pretty quickly. Yeah, it didn't even do. I'm not saying it it bombed at the box office. It had a 55 million dollar budget and it brought in about 74.7 million. So it still profited, but it wasn't like a major profit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember people like, oh my god, you have to go see Crimson Peak or any of that. And it's weird because Del Toro's name when it's on something, maybe it's that he has like a very specific following, but mm-hmm. I feel like no, <laughs> I I don't know because I feel like everyone knows. That he's brilliant, but maybe it's more in the horror community. 
community, but right? I just feel like in, just in the film community in general, he's so prevalent and revered. But, you know, I don't know. But this film is so interesting and, and I'm not going to say hard to talk about because it, the plot's not difficult to talk about, but it's it may seem a little confusing to talk or to hear about it on your end as a listener. But I'm just going to go ahead and say it so you can keep up. He has a wife and he has a sister and his sister is his lover also. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> That's, and I, I'm only going to say that because I figured that out pretty quickly in my mm-hmm. notes because I'm going to keep bringing up, I was like, his sister's mad jealous and that's weird as mm-hmm. fuck. Like, so you kind of get those little hints along the way with the way that they look at each other and the way that she looks at anybody he's courting, which is Edith in this case. And the way that they hug too long, you can just, there are like those clues the whole time along the way. It is not that subtle. Right. So when you do figure it out, like for sure black and white you're not that at least I wasn't that surprised no it's it's not like a huge major twist it is to our character right because she doesn't know but fair the audience were getting those other things that she's not seeing right so in the beginning of the story we have Edith who is our I'm gonna say she's I I guess a character of innocence really, but at the same time, she's still a very strong main character. She is writing a novel. And before this though, she's lost her mother and her as when she was a little younger and she sees the dead, she's able to see ghosts, but they're spooky ghosts. They're not like (laughs) coming to her and being chill and like, hi, no, no. Even when she sees the ghost of her mother, it is like this very dark, skeletal, spooky. Like, if I saw this in the middle of the night, I would have a fucking meltdown. Yes, but as a film watcher, I love Del Toro's ghosts so much. Oh my god, they were so amazing. They were so beautiful and so cool. In all of his films, his the dead are always so creepy and in and all of his films too it's like at first you can definitely see how the character is terrified yes but then they always come around to want to speak with them which is so it's such a 180 because yes Yes. they're so scary and death at the beginning is so scary but then at the end it's such a it's not as scary it's much more of a not that she embraces death at the end of this because that's not what this is about necessarily it's not like the orphanage but Mm -hmm. it's definitely something where she goes to it you know yes that's another thing that i love about del toro's ghosts is they're not the bad guys they you you're scared of them because they are creepy but you don't need to be well, anytime something's coming back from the dead to talk to you, it's like, that's unnatural. <laughs> right. But these are in, I mean, in The Devil's Backbone, in, do we have Ghosts in Pan's Labyrinth? We I don't have, know. I don't remember. It's been a while. I was about, I was going to say we have the creatures, but they're not <laughs> necessarily ghosts. So right. I don't remember. Well, at least in this in the Devil's Backbone that I have seen so far, these are good ghosts. Like you they something bad happened to them. Right. And they're just trying to communicate, which we see that a lot in a bunch of different types of ghost stories. But the cool thing about Del Toro's ghosts, if you will, is they always look so different. Like in the Devil's mm-hmm. Backbone, he was still like a a boy, but he looked very 
scary, especially to a child. Yes. And with like the floating blood in the air, which we get to see again in this. So cool. So creative. So I've never seen that before. And it has definitely been replicated after Mm -hmm. that. Because remember, that was in the 90s. Right. So it was for sure like, and it didn't look like it was in the 90s. We're talking about the devil's back. Right. But yeah. So this one the ghosts are these very skeletal they look like act like skeletons in the grave but they have movement they have very like almost look like ghostly shredded garments of clothing mm-hmm. and they have these very disembodied voices that you can really not make out too well beware of crimson peak yeah she just gets this very cryptic warning about crimson peak which totally fair to not know about that <laughs> like she you know that the warning she's getting is not to go to crimson peak which you know she's going to right but the first time she gets it she's what seven eight right and even if she gets it throughout her entire life like how do you know what crimson peak is if it's across the world right and especially because jumping ahead a little bit it's not like a place. It's not on a map. It's not things like that. It's like a colloquial term that the citizens use around this place. How and, are you supposed to know that? Right. Even eventually when she hears it, she's already there. So it's like, the yeah, fuck it's way I, too fucking late. The fuck am I supposed to do now? Thanks for the warning. You should have just been like, beware of England. <laughs> it's like, yes, what? but it's terrifying once you hear it and she's already been there a while and sh- you can just see it on her face. She's like, fuck. I went right into the trap. Which is so sad because I would have walked into his trap too. Let's be for real. <laughs> right. They're like, yes, daddy, I will go wherever you want. Let's go. Right. So sad. But at the beginning, she is writing a novel and the novel has ghosts in it, but she keeps saying they're just a metaphor for the past, like the ghosts of the past. But she takes it to a publisher and the publisher's like, wow, your handwriting is very nice. Very strong loops. And she's like, the fuck? The fuck? Why are we talking about my fucking handwriting? And they're like, it needs a love story. And she's so upset because she goes to her father and she's like, I can't. He built her a pen to write with. And she's like, I need a typewriter. Like, I can't Mm -hmm. actually write this out because nobody will take me seriously because I'm a woman. So you can tell right off the bat, she's a very strong-willed character. Like, you could take, she could take or leave men. I love her. Love her. She has no interest in love or love stories. Yeah. Even right before that, we meet, you know, she's in upper society. They're rich. They're rich people. And she meets with one of the upper society, other mothers of this guy who has loved her since they were little okay he comes back into town he's a doctor his mom's there visiting him she has an interaction with this woman and this woman goes oh you're still trying to write and she basically says that she's going to end up like jane austen who she she died never having been married yeah and our girl is fucking sharp and she gets back at her and she goes i'd rather be mary shelley she died a widow and walks away and i'm like that's right girl yeah she and i love that she has no interest in a love story even though this is what this turns into because yeah. she should have just remained not interested <laughs> <laughs> right Which hey is, she gets her love in the end though she does this guy is an ophthalmologist and i know nobody cares about that but i was all about it yeah exactly because 
we are in eye care and I got to see like an old school phoropter and all of these <laughs> like old school like eye things and I was like neat <laughs> like all this primitive stuff in the field but that is yeah I and literally wrote it down I was like oh my god <laughs> right and that's like a job you never see or hear about in movies like nobody ever talks about an ophthalmologist ever so it was really cool to see that too yeah so Tom Hiddleston, enter Tom Hiddleston's character. Now, again, our girl's father, which is Herschel from The Walking Dead, he is like a a very rich businessman. And Tom Hiddleston's character is there. His name, Sir Thomas Sharp. He's not a sir like a knight, but, you know. He's a baronet. Yeah. He's a baronet. And he is there to pitch this invention that he has. He has a model of it. And it's like this clay ga- clay gathering from underground machine, basically. And there was this scene that I really hated because it's very, like, American and I hated it. <laughs> but <laughs> he's an inventor. So okay. he is not one to, like, go out, you know, into the field and do, like, rough work. He- he's definitely, like, a mind. Mm-hmm. And he goes to pitch it and her father rejects him. And this is after they, he looks at her book and for just for like a minute and it, he's like, oh, it's, it captivated me immediately. So that's where the interaction starts. Obviously, if you're a writer and you've been rejected and this very beautiful, pretty man is like, wow. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would also be like, I, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not that weak, but I mean, she doesn't fall into him that quickly either. No. Like, she does keep her wits about her for a while. She does. She's just now, she's just, like, interested in him. She's going to see what yeah. he's about, why he's there. She actually walks into the meeting where he's presenting to these, the circle of rich businessmen in America, because he traveled a long way to present this. And this is, this is not the first country he's done this in. This is, like, the fourth or fifth country that he's tried to present this idea to. Right. He has already been to London, to Edinburgh, and Milan to do this and those countries are very important and he has gotten rejected every time Mm -hmm. so her dad brings that up that he's been rejected and is it actually working or and he's like well like no but (laughs) it's almost there basically is what he's saying and he grabs his hands her father grabs sharps hands and says that they're very soft but his hands are very rough because that's the american way and we built this country from the bootstraps and blah 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 i hated that so much and this is just a commentary on the way things are like kind of like right now Mm -hmm. is we have this like well if you're not working hard enough if you're not like exhausted and burnt out all the time man 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 it's like oh god Mm -hmm. i hate that i know this was a different time and everything and that was partially true and he's just looking down upon him because he's this like Englishman inventor. But ugh, I mean, the gross. but the worst part is it was partially true. Like this, this is filmed in the 1890s to 1901 time frame. So this is the Gilded Age. That's what this is. So we've already I've already brought up in other episodes. You know, Carnegie and J.P. Morgan and you know Rockefeller. Those guys. Yes, some of those guys started out you know, with rough hands doing that. Most of them didn't. Most of them did it for a little bit and then came across an idea that they exploited and got their wealth, okay? So calm down. 
you maybe you got there that way but not everybody around that fucking table did i guarantee it and that's the thing too like you don't these rich people at the top like maybe he had worked hard and got where he was at but it's like just because this man is an inventor i just you know you don't have to go out and do physical i you know what it's just it was just yeah stupid and like you said the gilded age it's like yeah you can be a mind and do productive things for society right especially because (laughs) that's how in the gilded age these guys got their money was because of inventors like this that they then exploited their fucking invention fucking jp morgan that's how he made most of his money was through fucking edison inventing the goddamn light bulb okay right so maybe take the guy up i'm not saying this was the invention but you know obviously pretty badass mining equipment that's supposed to go down pretty deep like that's what he talks about is that they have lost most of their stuff in these clay mines because of generations of overmining. so now the equipment that he's trying to make is supposed to go down even farther so that seems like a pretty useful piece of equipment potentially yeah he just doesn't have it's not like working exactly how he wants it to yeah but if you're the first one on board with it and can fund it obviously you're probably gonna be on board to get it there you know Exactly. But later that night, I'm just going to call him Herschel. I'm sorry, you guys. I watched Walking Dead first. That's what I'm going to call him. Later that night, Herschel and his daughter are back at the house. And she is asking him, you know, you really hated that man, didn't you? And, you know, why did you hate him so much? And he makes this comment. And he goes, I don't know why I hated him. And I don't like not knowing. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, I fucking love that quote. And that's something that I can internalize with because there are lots of times where I look at somebody and go, there's a reason I don't like you. I don't know what it is yet, but I fucking know it. You don't sit right with me. Right, exactly. And come to find out, her dad is correct. His name is Carter Cushing, if anybody cares. Thank you. Herschel Cushing. <laughs> Herschel Cushing. <laughs> Mr. Herschel Cushing. <laughs> so, I mean, you we all get vibes about people, right? Yeah. And sometimes they're wrong because they just don't vibe with us. As my friend Brittany would say, she's all into astrology. She's like, Mm-mm, our signs are not compatible. <laughs> but, you know, we there's just some people that were like, you're fucking off. Like, there's something wrong mm-hmm. about you. Or our pets don't vibe with people sometimes. Right. You know, if my dog doesn't sit right with you, you don't sit right with me. Exactly. You cannot come in this house. She barking at you. Get out. Exactly. And she barks with that at everyone, but if she doesn't, if you get down on your, you know, knees and like want to cuddle with her, and she doesn't come wiggling up to you, there's something wrong. Because <laughs> right, she, she usually it, she barks because she likes to talk, not because she is protective. So, right. so you're a bad person. Get out. Yeah, exactly. So he gets rejected, but then he was enamored with Edith, Mr. Cushing's daughter. And so then he starts courting her. And that's, you know, obviously an issue for Mr. Cushing because he didn't like him. Right. And especially because he doesn't ask. He They do this shit behind his back. He ends up Mr. Cushing has to get a private investigator to really research this guy because he doesn't even like he's the one that's finding out that Tom Hiddleston and his daughter are hanging out. Yeah, that's. And again, remember this is a different age and era. So this 
his daughter, while he loves her and has respect for her, that's still his daughter and his only daughter. Correct. Like, this is the time where we court people. And part of courting people is asking the father's permission. He did not do that. Yep. And it's not because he's English, because that's still a thing over there, too. Mm -hmm. Remember, that's where we came from. So the traditions still stand in many of it's. I mean... Even now, what what do men do when they want to propose to a woman? Right. They ask you her father. Right, exactly. That that's still a thing. And there's even a point where we go to this dance and part of she doesn't want to go. She doesn't like dealing with the high society people, which is fair. Oh my god, I couldn't imagine all of that mm-hmm. fucking ugh, gross. She doesn't want to go to this party and deal with the high society people, so she stays at home and once again her mother's ghost comes and warns her about Crimson Peak. And literally right after that ghost appears, Tom Hiddleston is downstairs. Hmm, interesting. And I liked this one again because he makes a comment and he goes, you see, I don't speak a word of American. I need a translator. I'm like, I love that because it is so different. I mean, he is in the, he's a baronet. He is, you know, a sir. He's in this royal field and we're in the gilded age of people, you know, making money with their own hands and things like that. It's so different. Yes. And so obviously he's like, you know, come with me to this thing. And she's like, nah, but then she's going to go. And what's kind of sad too, is the ophthalmologist that loves her. He's not a bad choice. You don't dislike him. Yeah. At first, you're like, nah, go with the sexy, dark-haired, broody, like, genius inventor. But then you're like, hmm, hmm, I don't know, man. (laughs) You know, you want what's so fucked up is too, like, you know, this is probably toxic, but you're also like rooting for him a little bit, and we'll get into why later for Tom Hiddleston's character. Even though he's incestuous, we don't like that. But (laughs) (laughs) okay, but I'm sorry, like, I'm gonna jump. Uh, I shouldn't jump that far. Wait, wait, wait. Just hold it. Hold it. Write it down. Write it down. Okay, okay, okay. 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 But the ophthalmologist, they show up to this party, which she said she wasn't going to go to. She told the ophthalmologist she had no interest in going, and he wanted to go with her. And then they show up together, her and Sharp show up together. Can you imagine how bad that would feel as the one that is in love with her? Just like a knife. Just a knife to the gut. Right. So fucked up. And she shows up with this random Englishman that's been here for what? How long? Yes. And he is so chill with her. He even says later on, he's like, I understand that you're infatuated with them. All I ask is that you proceed with caution. And I'm like, damn, dude, for loving her so much and probably just being torn apart inside. You're doing a good job being even keeled. Yeah. And, you know, as a viewer, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just want to, <laughs> you know, but at the yeah. same time, it's also like, yeah, well, the ghosts are telling you and he's telling you. But mm-hmm. at the same time, all the ghost is telling you is Crimson Peak. So what the fuck mm-hmm. does that mean? That could be anything. That could be don't travel to a certain place for a vacation. Don't I mean, you have no clue. Right. Exactly. What the fuck is Crimson Peak? It, I mean, it could be, for all she knows, a fucking publishing company down the line that she shouldn't work with, you know? It could be a redhead, which, by the way, she's a redhead in the beginning, and then she's blonde later on. It's really weird. But it could be, like, I don't know. You could have, like, crimson hair on the peak of your head. I don't know. Who knows? Right. And this man has beautiful black, like, oh, God. Look, Tom Hiddleston doesn't hit this way in every picture that I see of him. Like, because, you know, sometimes he's got, like, his brunette hair and, you know, facial hair. But as this character specifically and as Loki, I would let him ruin my life. (laughs) 
now yeah, he is fine wouldn't let him kill my father and ruin it in this <laughs> way but in several ways i would let him ruin my life yeah <clears throat> i mean he didn't we're getting ahead we're getting ahead <laughs> okay 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 so well actually so they go to this party and we meet the sister character here and her name is i forgot it starts with an l Lucille. Lucille, thank you. I was I kept thinking Lilith and I was like, it's because she's the devil. <laughs> right. <laughs> Her name is Lucille. And she is basically she's kind of spooky, like just right yeah. off the bat. She's at this party playing piano and she, you know, she's beautiful. She's a very alluring character. And Tom Hiddleston wants to waltz with Edith just to it's just another thing to like you know impress her and draw her in and Lucille's kind of pissed about having to play the waltz for them she don't want to and you're like why the fuck do you have a problem with that and at first you're like okay well she doesn't like the fact he she doesn't like the fact that he's gonna like you know court this American girl like they rejected them they're not you know whatever right she doesn't like it she's protective of her brother whatever no big deal well, it's like, yeah, they're supposed to go after this one family, which later on you're like, okay, how much research did they do into that one family that he just fucking wrecked? Well, I don't, you know, maybe it was, maybe it was an accident. Maybe they just go and see like who's and wealthy and who has out socialites. Yeah. Who has a daughter that's available? I just want to comment that our new girl or our main girl is Edith, the girl he was originally supposed to go after was Eunice. Can you only date women with ease? We even find out later that he married another woman. Her name was Anola. Maybe he is a kink. Ew. <laughs> Weird kink. Ease. So then she is still obviously fraternizing with them, getting to know Lucille a little bit, not much. There's this whole scene with dead butterflies and ants, and she's just creepy, right? She's a creepy yes. bitch. That's like she's picking up dead butterflies off the ground, and she's, you know, Eunice is like, it's so sad they're dying. And she's like, it's not sad, it's just nature. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. What did I say? <laughs> Eunice. Huh? Well, you're okay. You're, you're ma- See, I know. I missed you. Up. I missed you up. Edith <laughs> is talking about how sad it is that the butterflies are just on the ground dying because there's not enough sun. And Lucille is like, no, nah, no, nah, it's not sad. It's just nature. And you're like, mm. right. Okay. You creepy bitch. Anyways, I'm watching <laughs> you. <laughs> so then they kill her father. Somebody kills her father. You think it's him. I, I thought it was him that killed mm-hmm. her father. Because, like, he's not going to let that happen, right? Right. Because he has actually... We're, we skipped a part where he has found out that Tom Hiddleston, his character, is married already. He has had a private investigator track information down. And he found this out. And he doesn't want him with his daughter. So he paid them off. He gave them a check for $3,000, I think. Lots of money back then. Like a yes. ton of money. To go away. And he said, that's not all. What you also have to do is you have to thoroughly break my daughter's heart. And he does this in front of high society people at a dinner. Like, it's not just them. Yeah. How embarrassing. And all these people even come to follow to watch this, you know, explosive argument on the stairs. And then after that, the father dies. 
He makes fun of her book. Yeah. Ish. So when the father is killed and then he basically has the manuscript for her book, has it delivered to her house. And before she knows that her father has died, he has it delivered with a letter and basically explains like, Hey, I didn't really want to do any of that, but your father made me and he bribed me to get it away from you because he doesn't like me. Yeah. And when she finds that out, she goes to the hotel that he's staying at to try to get back with him. Like she's like, well, fuck that. But the father's already dead, and he knows this. His timing is going to work out so that he can be there for her when she finds out. She finds him right before that he's, you know, supposed to board this train to go back to London or to go back to England. And then all of a sudden, they she's going to go confront her father and walks into her father's office. And, you know, people's hats are coming off to her. And she's like, oh, I've seen this before because her mom's died. Mm-hmm. And that's just what they do when people die. You know, it's a sign of respect. And she has to go identify the body. And he goes with her. So he's there to comfort her. And the ophthalmologist is there too because that's his doctor. And he starts to get suspicious. But he doesn't, she doesn't let them really look at the body. Oh my, okay, so this killed me, by the way. Mm -hmm, She's looking at his body and she's, oh my God, I actually like, teared up at this and, and kind of made me cry she I'm said sorry he's turning 60 next week and mm-hmm. he's afraid of looking his age you see and started talking about her father as if he was still alive and his hand was cold and she put it under the blanket to like warm him up oh that fucking killed me uh, i was oh dude i was like that was awful and it yeah. I, and it's so del toro does death and grief in such a real way and unless you've experienced that, like, I don't know if you can, and I'm not like trying to like gatekeep like grief and pain, but really like if you've never lost someone like that, like you don't really know like how real that is. Like you, right. your brain just doesn't want to accept that and wrap your head around it. So you could literally be looking at a dead body of someone you love and talk to them or you know be because like I, this is super personal but like my dad had an open casket funeral and my mom before because you know when they like are open caskets are weird by the way that's a weird tradition mm-hmm. I don't like it <laughs> just agreed I would like everyone to know I would like to be cremated and <laughs> I just don't I mean if if people need to see my dead body to grieve i guess that's their issue but i would really prefer not to do that um that's fucking whack (laughs) but you know like that the last time they close the casket before it goes into the ground is going to be the last time that you're going to see the body ever right and my mom was just like this is so sad i'm so sorry if this is triggering for you skip ahead a little bit but we're talking about it and it's going to get real my mom was just like holding on to my dad and like hugging him and like talking to him you just don't want to let go you know Mm -hmm. and so if you stop talking to them like they're alive then it doesn't necessarily have to be true even though it is so Mm -hmm. it was just and that's something del toro does in all of his films they're constantly orphanage especially Mm -hmm. and pan's labyrinth and devil's backbone as well but going back to the orphanage with her losing her son and then finding him again but then choosing to die and but before right before holding oh my god like just all of that whole film 
the way that his commentary on death and grief, that man must have, he's got to have gone through some shit in his life mm-hmm. to be able to do this with such nuance and raw just power behind that because this is the the realest like filmmaker just as far as this kind of stuff goes that I have ever seen and that's why anytime I'm I see Del Toro's name come up I'm like okay here we go (laughs) this is not gonna be a light romp no this is we're gonna get fucked up and this Mm -hmm. one it does it it this one's not as intense as far as that goes as Pan's Labyrinth and Devil's Backbone is the orphanage because it's more of a this one I would say is more of like it felt like a thriller to me Mm-hmm. because like towards the end I was really anxious when she was doing everything she was doing you know mm-hmm. but that that scene right there I was like oh god that was rough but literally at the, her funeral you see her wearing his ring so she got engaged and or married pretty quickly right and she's off to that beautiful gothic manor in England that is just falling apart mm-hmm it is literally like an open air mansion. Yes. It has its own little courtyard. <laughs> it does. So Lucille and Thomas have this mansion that's been in their family for a long time, but they have they lost their fortune. So they haven't been able to upkeep this. They don't have servants like she did. I'd have been like, can we just stay here? Like Right. She literally makes that comment at one point. She's like, Why can't we leave? You had me leave everything. Why can't we just go somewhere? I mean, honestly, that's not a bad point. Like, I know that his whole thing is, like, going back, finishing his invention, getting money, and, you know, being with Lucille. But, like, he, she loves him, and he does fall in love with her. Just go back to her fortune over there. You'll be so much better off. Right. But they have this big, I mean, it is a beautiful, just it's gorgeous oh my god but there's literally the ceiling is rotting away so it will snow or rain and it will just come through all the way so there'll be like on the main floor like a pile of snow or something or leaves and it's kind of it's sinking in because there's a mine below it so this house is already should already be condemned basically oh yeah like give it like you know 50 more years this thing is going to be in the ground yeah maybe a hundred but even at that point you still shouldn't be living in it because certain things are going to collapse in on themselves before the whole house does yeah but it does give some cool imagery because the mines below it's red clay yes and they really gorgeous yeah they really bump that red up too the contrast is so beautiful the Mm -hmm. i mean when it snows on this red that white on the red and the black house and oh my god it's beautiful yeah and it's like oozing out of certain places and it just looks like the house is bleeding all the time yes so it's neat (laughs) but also if okay if i had been warned about crimson peak my entire life and I saw all this red clay, I would immediately be like, oh, this is it. This is it. This, this is Crimson Peak. I fucking Peak, right into that trap. <laughs> Even before they actually said Crimson Peak, especially if I had been used to ghosts telling me, like, beware Crimson Peak, I'd be like, oh, this is fucking. What's that red thing over there? <laughs> That's it, isn't it? And then the literally she walks into the house and she sees a ghost. First thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like she sees ghosts all the time either. That she's seen like a ghost of her mother specifically. 
Right. Twice ever. Yeah. But then she starts seeing ghosts just right off the bat. Different ghosts. I'd be like, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. I'm the, I came to a place I should not be. Right. They told me I shouldn't be here. And here I am. But she's so alone now. And she's so in love with this man. Where else is she going to go? Like she's lost her father. She doesn't have her mother. She doesn't really think she has any friends back home. Yeah, and this is a very remote mansion. Mm-hmm. I think that it's like a four-hour walk by foot to anywhere near. Yeah. And it is winter. Yes. So, snow, nasty blizzards and shit. You're not going anywhere, so. And then her, the sister, when they get home, this is when it starts getting weird. So, when they hug, you're like, if if I was, if I was that wife, I'd, yes, it's it's mm. it's a really long hug, like really long. But at the same time, I could also see her brushing that off because she knows that these siblings also don't have anybody else in the world. So it's she now is like, okay, it's just the three of us. We're the three musketeers in this whole world. That's so I could true. see just these two siblings having only each other, having a really long hug after, you know, you also forget that this, this is the time we don't have planes going over there. It would take them months to get back home. I thought about that, like watching it. If somebody was like, okay, time to move to England, I'd be like, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I ain't doing right. that. You, you got to stay here. I ain't doing that. Right. So Lucille is not very nice to her. But you also kind of think that maybe it's just part of her shitty personality. That's what Edith kind of thinks, you know? She's like, okay, well, whatever, I guess. So she just constantly is making her tea. And, like, Edith is the one that's doing all of the kind of, like, domestic things. Not sorry. Lucille's kind of the one doing Mm -hmm. all of the domestic things. So Edith doesn't even really have a role in this house either. No, she's mostly, like, pampered. Like, she's fed, she's given tea to drink, and she can just do whatever she wants. They they find a dog right in the beginning, and she basically just hangs out with that dog. Yeah. Honestly, I'm down. <laughs> right? <laughs> I would like a ceiling, and, you know. Right? But you just get to wear those beautiful clothes and have yourself pampered and just go hang out with a dog. Take Minus the poisoning baths. and death and horror, you know, all that. Right. <laughs> but taking hot baths, not interrupted yeah. by ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Because she does get interrupted by ghosts and they really ramp up. So, you know, she's woken up by them during the night. And every single time she wakes up, her husband's not in bed with her. Every single yes. time. Yes, and she's starting to get woken up more and more by stomach aches. Really painful stomach aches are what's doing it. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she wakes up early one morning, and she, Lucille is playing the piano, and she goes down, and Lucille is talking to her about these weird books that she has, and the pages are of people having sex, and they, Edith mentions that they haven't had sex yet basically. Mm-hmm. And Lucille's very pleased about that. Right. Too pleased. That's another <laughs> thing. You're like, fucking weird, man. The fuck is it to you? You're the sister. Mm. Right. One scene that we have, and I'm sorry if I'm forgetting, I'm going off my notes here because I, I feel like I'm remembering most important things here, but correct me if I'm wrong. So when I say they haven't had sex yet, she goes up to his workshop, which is in the attic. And 
they start talking about things in his childhood and he basically says you're not like the rest of them and mm-hmm. she's like what and he's like just like anybody and you're like mm-hmm. <laughs> right you kind of think like high society you know because he's been rejected so many times and because she's not like she is really smart and she is independent and she didn't wasn't even really interested in a love story and you can really tell that there is genuine affection in mm-hmm. him for her, you know? And I just was thinking, I was like, that's not just, like, a, a con. I was trying to find the word. Like, that's not mm-hmm. just, like, that is definitely something developing because it will get, the, he didn't, you don't know that he's done this to another, a lot of other women at this point, but you know. Do you know what I mean? Like, they definitely – Yeah. There so, have been hints at this. Right. So when I said in the beginning that the father sent them away because of this, you don't actually see what it is. He just, like, shows him the paperwork, and Tom Hiddleston's like, does she know? So you don't know exactly what happened, but, yes, there are hints to it. You're kind of like, I feel like this is where it's going. Oh, Yeah. So they are, they, we, I just mentioned they hadn't had sex yet and they're like about to get hot and heavy and you're like, okay, all right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he's into it though. This Mm -hmm. is not like obligation. Right. You really like like, I hear something and Lucille just comes wandering in with poor tea. Hmm. And, but he lets, here's the thing. Like he's really into her at this point and you know that. And Lucille interrupts this on purpose. Mm-hmm. And he lets her drink the tea, doesn't he, at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's still letting her drink this tea, which mm-hmm. is poison. Right. Which you find he, out soon. He is very much being manipulated by his sister and has been for a long time. He is a victim of her, He, but he's just never taken any personal responsibility either. Right. You know? So, which is something even Lucille says at the end. I mean, they end up like, you know, it's a horror movie. They end up having to commit another murder. And she asks him and she's like, my one question, brother, is will it be you this time? Because he doesn't do anything. He good or bad. He's just like there. Yeah. Yeah. And she's so in love with her brother, man. Mm hmm. And he's younger than her. Correct. That was one of the ones where I was like, we're getting too far ahead. He was, this whole thing started when he was 12 and she was 14 and they were already doing stuff. Yeah. So he was assaulted. Yes. 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 She has basically, she has groomed him for years. Yeah. Which is really sad. I mean, when especially like, yeah, that's not a huge age difference between 12 and 14. But when as far as maturity level goes, and especially when you talk about gender and or sex, you know, there is a difference between development and she fucking killed their mother. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that he was left with no one but her. Yes, when they already only had each other also, which is how, you know, this could even start. 
because they talk about how, you know, father used to be gone for months at a time. You know, the family fortune didn't lose itself. And mother was such a heartless bitch. We were only allowed in the nursery. So it's basically, it's like flowers in the attic. Have you ever read the book or seen the movie? No, it actually wasn't on my reading list when I was in high school, shockingly enough. Yeah, I bet. Um, (laughs) Do you know about it? I do know. Yeah, I do know about it. We had other shit on our list, but that, and I know that's on a lot of lists. It just never made it onto ours for whatever reason, so. I don't doubt that in Texas when it's about, you know, incest. So it's about a family. Are you saying that because we enjoy incest? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Because the South is all inbred. (laughs) I'm saying that the opposite. I don't think that a book about teenagers having sex, especially with their siblings, is going to be on the Texas approved reading list. But so Flowers in the Attic is basically four siblings and their mother. They lost their father move in with their very strict, terrible grandmother. And the siblings are kept away from the mother while she is courting another man, basically. And they get poisoned over time. And the the kids, like two of them are teenagers and they're left all alone. They do end up having sex. So it's like when you're left with only yourselves and you want some sort of comfort and hormones come into it, this can happen. Yeah. That's true. And it just never stopped. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. So that's what's happening between them. (laughs) And so basically they are poisoning her to get her money, which has happened several times. Mm -hmm. And she goes down to where they told her not to go. Which is the lower level of this house, which is basically they tell her, well, it's sinking. You shouldn't go down there. Da, da, da. But the real reason they don't want her to go down there is because that's where they're keeping all of this evidence that they've done this before. Because yeah. they're throwing bodies into these pits of liquid clay, basically. Yeah. And the luggage from the past wives are still down there. Yeah. With like big documents of the evidence like of Mm -hmm. recordings of the wives talking about it of them trying to record their experience so that if anybody finds them they'll find that you know i don't understand why they kept it trophies maybe i guess because she does keep hair she literally cuts their hair and braids it so she's yeah she's definitely a serial killer oh Oh, yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. so Again, we still have the ghost. She's not paying attention to them. She keeps waking up sick. She doesn't know about them yet. So just keep that in mind. But that's why Lucille gets so weirded out and keeps asking them about, like, having sex. Because they have set these ground rules that you just don't do certain things, right? hmm So, but Edith has, she's pretty smart. So she, once she starts figuring things out, she really starts putting pieces together. So Lucille obsessively, like, she's, this tea is called Firethornberry tea, you know, and Thomas is persuading her to obtain the first half of her late father's estate to continue construction of his mining machine. So she got the first half, Mm -hmm. but they haven't gotten the second half. Okay. So that's why she's still alive. Right. More time for Thomas to also develop feelings for her. They're keeping Mm -hmm. her around too long. That's basically what's going on. (laughs) And then these red ghosts are appearing. So her mother's is 
black and these other ones are red. And remember, red clay, right? That's where their bodies are. Mm-hmm. And she keeps having these meltdowns because she's seeing the ghosts. And one of our mistakes here is that she's telling them that she's seeing things. Correct. I would have been like, mm, I'm not telling y'all shit. But once again, she's completely alone. She has no one else in the world right now but these two other individuals. I'd want to fucking talk about it. Yeah. I saw some shit last night. Especially because you think these two people are on your side. Right. That's all you have. You know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I get it. So, Thomas takes Edith, after one of her meltdowns, to a local post office. And there's actually, like, a little inn. And it's going to snow a lot, so they end up staying the night. And so, at the post office, Edith has letters. And so, she gets her it's the estate stuff so it's just basically the second half of the paper she needs to sign but there's also a letter from italy addressed to e sharp and edith finds out that thomas had a connection to an italian woman whose first initial is also e mm-hmm. that ain't for her <laughs> so right. interesting interesting who's that but then also this night they basically finally consummate their marriage and this scene I loved it and not for the reason you think. Yes, also for that reason. <laughs> but what I really liked about this scene was you don't see any naked parts of her. Yep. But you do of him. Yep. And that's why I loved it because I was like, thank you, someone. That's actually something that Tom Hiddleston and Guillermo del Toro talked about. Tom Hiddleston always or was telling him how women are always, you know, you show their boobs, you show everything. And he wanted to switch it. He wanted to switch it where, what if we don't see anything of hers, but I'm the one that you see pieces of. So you actually get to see part of his bare butt, but you see nothing of hers. She wears a dress the entire time. That is, I have so much respect for that. And that was the first. See, and uh, some people may not notice that, but like, and I'm sure people like, you know, maybe men are like, oh, well, why doesn't she take off anything? Or maybe they don't notice. And, you know, but like as symbolic mm-hmm. or as symbology, like that's huge. Like, thank you, because we just get so much of that all the time. And it's never the opposite. And I'm not saying I even need the opposite, but like it, there's just such an unbalanced scale of nudity there. Yes. I thought that was amazing, especially to come from. Like, I know there are good men out there, but to come from a man as an idea, not the woman going, what if we switched it? I love that. Yes. So Tom Hiddleston, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Also, (laughs) the scene, 10 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) We got to appreciate that as well. So, yeah, that was nice. Oh, another thing that I meant to mention is one night, the reason that she really freaked out is because she actually woke up coughing blood and she asked the dead to touch her and give her a signal and they literally yanked her to the ground. Yes. And that's when she really figured it out. So, yeah. Back in the United States, the ophthalmologist hires the same private investigator, and he finds the articles about the murders at the manor and finds out about some of the shit that's going on and that he's mm-hmm. married and all this stuff. So, Sir Thomas is already married. And I was, I was like, I knew that bitch was jealous. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, that was my thing i was like is he married to his sister but it it's no right no 
it's just no. the, another person. But in my head, I was like, oh, I knew it. He married his sister and nobody. Kn-. No, it's just that it was another woman. And all these pieces are starting to unravel that he's marrying a bunch of women for their money. Mm-hmm. And I'll, they're, they're nowhere to be found. So right. what's happening here? The ophthalmologist is going to go save his lady. Right. Also, what we have found out is a news article about the mother of these two children being killed in the bath and that the only people that were there at the time were these two children. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. What happened? Yep. But in the meantime, Thomas is actually falling in love with her. That sex scene was not, that did not have to happen. Right. He's so happy. Like when they get out of the carriage to go back to the house, he's so happy and stuff until you get in and you see Lucille. That She's bitch. fucking pissed. Yeah, because she knows that's the only reason they spent the night. Mm-hmm. He says, we should stay. He's like, we should stay at this inn. Like they agree. And he's like, okay, yeah, let, yeah, let's stay, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And you can also tell that that's, he wants out of this. Yes. He doesn't want to do this anymore. And plus he doesn't need to, he found someone that he does actually really love and who has money. So that's not going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. So why does he need to keep doing this except for Lucille? Mm -hmm. So if we just take her out of the picture, it's fine, but right. It's it's not. (laughs) So they do get home and he's super happy and Lucille has a fucking meltdown. She's like burning breakfast and then she like lifts a hot pan up and you think she's going to fucking hit her with it. But she just throws the breakfast on the table and basically says, I didn't know if you had gotten to an accident or not. And she's like, I don't think I need your permission to fucking stay at an inn. Like she doesn't say it like that, but that's basically what she says, you know. So Edith is super weirded out by Lucille she's super happy about Thomas, but also like Lucille's ruining everything. So Edith starts. Oh, and Lucille is just furious at Thomas. So now shit's like escalating because emotions are running high. Lucille's losing her composure about this. So she's like, get rid of her. It's time. Yes. You need to kill her. Now we got to poison faster. Yes. So she keeps trying to make her tea, but Edith is exploring the mansion and PC and clues together and discovers that Thomas previously married three women because of this italian letter to really set all this off one an italian Mm -hmm. named enola who's locked trunk because she keeps seeing this enola trunk and down there whose locked trunk is stored in the basement next to the vats of the clay and a ghost lures her to a closet where she discovers wax cylinders on one of like one of thomas previous wives recorded herself that's why i was saying like hey like if somebody finds this they're poisoning me for my inheritance Mm -hmm. and that's when she finds it she also found out that one of them had a baby except Mm -hmm. they didn't they didn't (laughs) right that was lucille's baby with her brother who was just not right i wonder why (laughs) yeah so the and the ghosts you know she's listening now and letting them show her things and so she's listening to these tapes and Edith realizes that Lucille is poisoning her and that this she is looking at a ghost and the ghost points to a room. Mm-hmm. And she's up there. Yeah. Check she's it like, out. Oh. And by this point, she is so sick. She's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like they got her fucked up. Yeah. But, and Thomas isn't happy about this. He doesn't want her to be poisoned anymore. Yes. He literally, he brings in the wheelchair and he tells her, stop drinking the tea. And then you go downstairs and Lucille's like, she stopped drinking the tea, but that's fine because I poisoned the porridge. And you're like, oh my fucking God, she can't get away with anything. Yeah. Like she was like, yeah, like, you know, I knew she was either going to stop or you were going to stop making her drink the tea. So I figured, don't worry. She can't eat or drink around here without getting poisoned. I got this. Yeah. But once again, he doesn't like stand up for Edith or anything. He's just like, okay, well, I guess we're poisoning her this way now. I'll go fuck my sister upstairs tonight. Yep. So the ghost basically shows her the room and she opens it up and sees them making out and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Making out, giving them a handy, you know, it's great. So Lucille, we find out, also murdered their mother after she discovered. So she found out her children were doing doing this. (laughs) And she was obviously not, not happy about that. Right. So when she died, Thomas inherited the manor. And that was pretty typical. And... Of course, they don't have a fortune because it's no longer profitable and the Sharps are, they don't have any money, like none. Yeah. And so they began a, like, marriage and murder scheme. So. Yeah. yeah. Now Edith sees this and runs out of there. And Lucille, crazy Lucille, runs after her and pushes her off a fucking balcony. She wanted to kill her, but she only broke her leg. Now, remember how um, somebody was coming for her? Yeah. So here's what I would do. Um, I would take, they're waiting for me to sign these fucking papers. If I knew that I was so sick that I was going to die, there was no one I could tell. There was nothing I could do. I couldn't stop this from happening again. I would take those deed papers and I'd be like, you're going to kill me and I'm going to die. I'd fucking throw those motherfuckers in a fire. I was like, but you're not going to get this fucking money. Mm-hmm. I would tear that shit up right in front of them so they there's Correct. no way that they could forge my signature after I died or anything. I would burn that shit up. So they Agreed. just out of spite, like you're going to kill me right now. Either way, whether I sign this or I don't sign this, you're going to kill me. So you are not going to get my father's fortune, period. Mm-hmm. Everything That's, he worked so fucking hard for. Yeah. For you to squander it and kill me. No, 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 no. I would burn those deed papers in front of them. Fuck you. (laughs) Yes. So the ophthalmologist actually shows up as she's been pushed over this balcony. And you're like, okay, well, at least there's that, you Mm -hmm. know. So when he arrives, he finds Edith nearly bedridden, basically. And Lucille is you know they're like entertaining him for a while and all this stuff but then he's like I need to be left alone with my patient and you think that they're like oh my god we're so glad you're here thank god and he's like yeah I just wanted to stop by and see my you know friends and I thought that this would be a nice surprise for everyone and they're like yeah we're so glad you're here she's just been hallucinating and da 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 and then he tells Edith, I'm going to get you out of here. I know exactly what they've been doing to you. And you're like, thank God. Cause you, <laughs> right. you thought for a minute they were going to convince him, but he's smarter than that. He knows at this point that they're fucking killing people. Yes. I mean, he walked four hours in a fucking blizzard to get up there. I don't think he's going to just fall into their trap. Yeah, true. He, and he loves her. So even if, even if he believed it, he might just take her anyways, to be honest. <laughs> right. Like, so 
It doesn't really matter though because they go to try to take it. Take she he tries to take Edith, but Lucille stabs him and then basically tells Thomas to go kill him. And Thomas, this is kind of away from Lucille enough to where Thomas can ask him, "You're a doctor. Where can I stab you to where this won't kill you?" And mm-hmm. so he shows him. And that I was like. Oh, that's so smart because Thomas really has fallen in love with her. Mm-hmm. And you're like, fuck. And so now this, of course, we're in our third act now. And he inflicts a non-fatal stab wound to his like side on the abdomen area, basically. And he takes him down and hides him at the doctor. And Lucille upstairs is forcing Edith to sign a transfer deed to get the Sharps ownership of her estate. And... That's when she tells her that she's the one that murdered her father and cuts her hair and braids it up and pulls out this drawer. And you can see four other braids of hair Mm -hmm. of the other women. So she's also pissed that Thomas, you know, has feelings for her. And so this is a little different than like the normal transactions that they do. Cause she's fucking, you know, doing the villain monologue. Yeah. As they do while Edith is like signing the deed. Oh, this was my fucking favorite. <laughs> Edith stabs this bitch. Yeah. She do with dad's pen. Yeah. That's right. Her dad. Daddy came back to help. Yeah. Her dad crafted her this beautiful pen, like a, you know, like in the beginning and she fucking stabs her ass, not fatally, unfortunately, but like in the neck area, like enough to fuck you up for a little bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So she runs and then she goes down to find there's an elevator in this house and she goes to the elevator and she sees Thomas and she's like screaming at him, trying to stab him too. Cause she got a knife from the kitchen, smart girl. And mm-hmm. she's basically yelling at him saying, you lied, you lied. I thought you loved me. And he basically says, I do love you. Here's what you're going to do. Go down there. You'll find the doctor. Try to get out. I'm going to go upstairs and deal with Lucille. And so you're like, oh, so he's going to try to help her get out. He, but you know, he's not going to get out. Right. I mean, you've literally heard this prophecy already by one of the other ghosts that you will be the death of him. Yeah. It's And it's kind of like, you know that he's a really bad, terrible guy and he's caused all this death and pain, but he's also kind of a victim himself. So part mm-hmm. of you is still wants him to, like, get out and have some yeah. sort of, like, happiness, you know? Exactly. And he loves her. And he even goes up to Lucille and he goes... He throws the papers right in the fire, just right away. And she's like, you burned them. And he tries to talk to her and he's like, let's just get away. Why do we have to stay here? Let's all of us get away. And she's like, oh, you still want to bring that little bitch along. And then she fucking kills him. She stabs him in the face, like right below the eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then immediately after she realizes that he's going to die, because she just did it in like a blind rage. Mm-hmm. She just like immediately regrets it you Mm -hmm. know and she just holds him and you're like well that's what you fucking get and then she just blames edith (laughs) yes crazily races after her to fucking kill the shit out of her we end up finding the goddamn cleaver in the basement that she kept because once again she's a serial killer we got to keep these things from mother that she fucking 
stabbed her mother in the head with this fucking cleaver and now she's got it and she's going after Edith and you're like oh fucking shit I would be terrified because Edith's got this I mean it's not a little knife but compared to this fucking cleaver it's a little knife oh yeah that would be I was literally thinking this is one of the most terrifying situations like killer versus hero because that thing is mass I'm not talking about a little meat cleaver you have in your kitchen Uh -uh. it's as long as a person's arm Uh uh-huh it's huge this is like old-fashioned actual butchers have these things. This thing is huge. Yeah. And so she's fucking running after. And I got to say the costume design, chef's kiss. Amazing. Like when Lucille is crazy and running, she's got like her, this flowy giant gown going after her. And she, oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. So good. So she's pursuing Edith and then they end up going up onto the grounds and it is snowy and white and hard really hard to see and you do get a couple little jumps in here and they end up you know facing down and Lucille pretty much says like this is going to end by me killing you or you killing me and then Edith says he's behind you or turn around he's there help me and Lucille goes there's nobody here to help you and she goes turn around he's right there and fucking Tom Hiddleston the ghost is standing there with the blood flowing up and stuff. So cool. And he came back to help Edith, not his sister, obviously. Because he realizes, like, she's she bad. (laughs) So while she's turned around, Edith is able to subdue and kill her. So Mm -hmm. she... And then she basically is able to say bye to... Thomas because she did love him and that's so mm-hmm. sad because she's still have, gonna have to deal with that correct she did lose someone she loved even if it's fucked up now that's two things you did somebody you love didn't just die they tried to kill you and then they fell in love with you and then they died correct like that's a lot yeah no <laughs> kidding and then she says bye to him and then he vanishes and then Edith and Alan are actually rescued by villagers because they knew that he was going to try to walk there and they were like, there's no way he's going to fucking make it. When Alan showed up to basically ask where it was. And Lucille then becomes the ghost of the manor. And she just plays the piano for all eternity. Mm-hmm. And then the end credits imply that Edith wrote a novel called Crimson Peak. Mm-hmm. So she did get her ghost story. And she's now a widow. So she'll be able to die a widow like Mary Shelley. Yep today well i'm so excited to hear the grade i don't have any trivia or what i had i said during the film well i am surprised actually so let's just talk about rotten tomatoes real quick because it's got a 72 percent critic score and a 55 percent audience score i feel like that's kind of low that seems incredibly low to me yeah i mean i i liked it a lot Uh, i don't know i i it was incredibly like at first i was kind of like hmm, where's this going but uh it would probably get like i i'm not gonna say a five out of five but like a solid four four and a half somewhere in that range i really enjoyed it a lot i highly recommend it and it came out of nowhere like i'd never heard of it before so really really good mm-hmm. yeah yeah after this i kept thinking i was like i feel like you with a24 but with Guillermo del Toro. Like, I am a convert now. I will watch any of his stuff. He's fucking amazing. Five out of five on this film. 
it's a period piece horror ghost story that's beautiful and del toro is just a master at his craft this was absolutely amazing it is now on one of my favorite films oh yeah i would watch this again no problem like over and over definitely Mm -hmm. when it was coming up i kept being like oh i want to watch crimson peak i want to watch crimson peak (laughs) but i kept putting it off and waiting and waiting yeah i mean the only thing that i would say is like sometimes the ghosts were a little over the top for me but that's literally the only thing that Mm -hmm. that's it literally it yeah so yeah no i it won you know it was some saturn awards won best horror film at the saturn awards that was nominated for best director best writing best actress for edith it won Best Supporting Actress for Jessica Chastain because she was fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. It won Best Production Design. The, God, the set. Uh-huh. Was... The clothing. The oh, So beautiful. I mean, it was nominated for Best Costume Design, Best Makeup. Again, those are the Saturn Awards because the mm-hmm. fucking Academy doesn't. Yeah, fuck the Academy. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but yeah, no, it was super, super great. You, I mean, I highly, highly recommend it. You should go check it out. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us for this review of Crimson Peak. And again, Ryan, hope you have a great birthday. And you can, of course, follow us on all of our social medias. Everything is the Extra Sisters podcast, except for Twitter, which is at the Extra Sisters. And if you would like to hang out with us on our Patreon for extra perks, we'll mail you stuff and, you know, generally hang out with us for all that ex- all that good stuff there. You can go to patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters podcast. And next time, the new millennium begins in a panic. Till then, stay creepy. Stay creepy.